Happy October, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, Grab It Quick News. We are heading into our favorite holiday, which is Halloween, and I can't wait to see everyone in their fun and spooky and super sexy costumes. So for those of you just tuning in, this is season two, episode seven of Gravit Bazaar Sex News. I want to give a big thanks to everyone who is listening, my sponsors, and a big shout out to the people who are writing me. All right, let's get started. A gentle reminder, if you are not 18 or older, you should not be listening without your parents' consent. So let's get started. Our first story was written October 16th of 2019. It is by the Associated Press. It takes place in Portland, Maine. A 15-year-old girl was suspended for bullying after trying to draw attention to what she believed was an unaddressed problem of sexual assaults involving students at her high school. Now she's taking that school to district court. The young girl is a sophomore at Cape Elizabeth High School outside of Portland, Maine, and has been at odds with Cape Elizabeth schools for a month after posting a note in a bathroom that says, there is a rapist in our school, and we all know who it is. She and two other students who left similar notes were suspended. The American Civil Liberties Union of Maine is taking on this young lady's case and calling on the federal court to stop the suspension. The organization filed a motion Sunday in Maine asking for a temporary restraining order against the district, and a hearing is slated for a Portland courtroom on Monday. The ACLU's filing states that this young lady has taken a public stance as an ally for victims and survivors of sexual violence. This young lady said that she plans to keep doing it. She says, I think anyone that has experienced any sort of sexual violence or harassment is especially vulnerable when they are going through their healing process. And to have an ally who is willing to advocate for that, it's crucial and it's beneficial. The superintendent, Donna Wolfram, declined to comment Tuesday. A district spokesperson also said there would be no official comment because the case is in court. The school's principal, Jeffrey Shedd, said in a letter to the community Wednesday that a male student believed he was the target of the note campaign and that he felt unsafe at school in the wake of these notes. The ACLU is arguing that's not the case, that the young girl posted the note to raise awareness of a general problem in the school community about sexual assault. She said she did not allege that she was a victim or mention any accuser or abuser by name. The two other um, students suspended from the school about six miles south of Portland in one of the wealthiest communities in Maine have not come forward publicly. The suspensions led about 50 students at the 550 student school to walk out of the class one day this month. The young girl appealed her suspension, which has not occurred yet. It is unclear whether the other two students have appealed or served their suspensions. Emma Bond, a staff attorney with ACLU Maine, said the organization isn't aware of any other cases it has handled in which a student was suspended after sounding an alarm 
about sexual abuse. However, other school districts in the country have grappled with how to handle sexual assault allegations as the Me Too movement grows in influence. In New Hampshire's capital city, Concord High School recently installed tip boxes to allow students to anonymously report concerns about sexual assault, harassment, and other issues after the arrest of a teacher last year on charges of raping a former student. A 13-year-old girl had been suspended in 2014 for complaining about the teacher's behavior with other students at Rundlet Middle School. The suspension was expunged from her record after the teacher's arrest. Students who report sexual abuse can face backlash, and it's critical for districts to provide them with support, said Aaron Robinson, a spokesperson for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, a nonprofit group that works to prevent sexual assault. The decision for a student to disclose or report abuse is already a difficult one, Robinson says. When school districts ignore, or worse, punish students for coming forward, those students suffer in silence and do not get the help they need to begin healing. This young lady's mother couldn't agree more, and she said that her daughter will always have her back in this case. This is the world I taught her and there's no way in my household that we can stand up and not speak out. I have raised her to do exactly what she is doing and I am proud of her. Our second story is from Popular Science. It's called Sexually Transmitted Diseases at an All-Time High. Again, but why? So here's what we should know about the CDC's new data. Just so we are aware, this article was written August 29th of 2018, but it has been updated. So let's go. A record-breaking number of STDs were reported in the United States in 2017, according to the CDC. All told, there were nearly 2.3 million cases of chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis, 200,000 more than in 2016, which was a record-breaking year of its own. We are sliding backwards, Jonathan Merman, director of the CDC's National Center for HIV, AIDS, Viral Hepatitis, STD, and TB Prevention, said in a statement. It is evident the systems that identify, treat, and ultimately prevent STDs are being strained to a near breaking point. But while better health care is sorely needed to treat this problem, you can do your own part to fight off the spread of infection. And the first step is to understand that sexually transmitted diseases can happen to anyone. And a quick note about these acronyms, the CDC uses STD in its reports, but when we speak broadly about sexual health, STI is actually more accurate. Many infections do not turn into diseases which alter the body's functions. Herpes, for example, fails to cause symptoms in the vast majority of people infected with it. Generally, STI covers more bases than STD, but since the CDC's report focuses on people who've been diagnosed with infections by a doctor, it sticks with the older, more familiar acronym, STD. We now return you back to your regularly scheduled info. 
How have infection rates changed? The CDC's most recent complete report is for 2016. It showed chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis, the three infections that doctors are required to report, were on the rise. That report does not include HIV, one of the most notorious STIs in the country. On average and across most individual demographic group, rates of HIV are on a decline as the last data assessment. The CDC's 2016 report does not include any data that refutes that, and the increasingly widespread use of drugs to prevent transmission is making it unlikely that HIV rates are going to go up. Although worth noting, while herpes is not lumped into the 2016 report, because it's not mandatory for doctors to report it, you most certainly had that before 2016 started anyway. On Tuesday, the CDC released preliminary data for 2017 and things are not looking up. They saw 555,608 cases of gonorrhea, nearly 100,000 more than in 2016, 30,644 cases of primary and secondary syphilis, which is up by around 2,600 cases since the previous year, and 1.7 million cases of chlamydia compared to 2016's 1.7 million. Nearly half of all chlamydia cases were reported in 15 to 24-year-old females. The increases from 2016 to 2017 are worsome, but they become much more troubling when compared to data from just five years ago. Since 2013, gonorrhea diagnoses have increased in a 67% overall and have nearly doubled among men during that time. Syphilis cases have went up by 76%, particularly among men who have sex with men, though infection rates in women are also rising. How worried should you be about these infections? The good news is that all three of these aforementioned infections are bacterial and they're generally easy to treat. The bad news is that tricky word generally. Antibiotic resistance, the evolution of bacteria to evade the drugs we've designed to kill them, is also on the rise, and the bacteria that causes STIs are no exception. A recent report by the World Health Organization looking at data from 77 countries found that gonorrhea is increasingly resistant to antibiotics. The organization called for new antibiotics to add to our line of defense, but unfortunately they reported that only three such drugs were in any stage of development at any time. The CDC's preliminary report for 2017 includes a troubling detail on this subject. While the current treatment recommendation, a shot of the antibiotic, along with an oral dose, has yet to fail in any patient, lab testing shows emerging resistance to to azithromycin. In 2013, just 1% of gonorrhea samples tested in the lab showed resistance to azithromycin. That's now risen to 4%. We expect gonorrhea will eventually wear down our last highly effective antibiotic, and additional treatment options are urgently needed, Gail Boland, MD Director of CDC's Division of STD Prevention, said in a statement. We can't let our defenses down. We must continue reinforcing efforts to rapidly detect and prevent resistance as long as possible. As chlamydia becomes more common, it too will no doubt increasingly evade pharmaceutical interventions. Both chlamydia and gonorrhea are often asymptomatic, but can cause pain, infertility, if left untreated.
Syphilis is typically still easy to treat with good old penicillin, though again, increased infection rates offer more chances for this bacteria to develop resistance, but it might actually be the most troubling infection in the CDC 2016 report. And that's because people are not getting treated, and that in turn is causing a rise in a potentially fatal fetal condition that simply shouldn't exist in this day and age with all of these antibiotics. Congenital syphilis is a terrible disease. When syphilis goes untreated during pregnancy, miscarriages are incredibly common, and 40% of the fetuses with syphilis that are carried to term are born stillborn, or they die shortly after their birth. Those who survive can suffer from deformed bones, anemia, enlarged livers and spleens, jaundice, meningitis, rashes, blindness, deafness, and other brain and nerve-related problems. 2016 saw 628 cases of congenital syphilis in the U.S., up from 492 in 2015. The sharp increase in this particular condition gets at the crux of the whole issue. It's not just that more people are getting STIs, it's that, that they're not getting adequate access to health care. This is a completely preventable problem, Gail Bolin, director of CDC's Division of STD Prevention, tells CNN. Every baby born with syphilis represents a tragic public health system failure. All it takes is a simple STD test and an antibiotic treatment to prevent this tragedy from occurring. Why are the rates going up? It's a tale as old as the fear-mongering World War II posters about the dreaded VD. That's venereal disease, not Victory Day. Americans on the whole are really bad about talking about sex and even worse at talking about sexually transmitted infections and diseases. But we're long overdue for a national conversation on prevention. As recently as 2013, one study found half of patients visiting STD clinics were unwilling to use their health insurance to cover the cost of the visit, likely because of privacy concerns. In 2016, the U.S. budget for abstinence only until marriage, sex education in schools, which has been shown time and time again to be ineffective in combating both teen pregnancy and sexually transmitted infections, was increased to $85 million a year. The average high school health course includes less than four hours spent talking about sexually transmitted infections and pregnancy prevention combined, and 87% allow guardians to exclude their child from having to even take the course. So on the one hand, it's not surprising to hear that rates of these infections are going up on average instead of down, and given the lack of education and discourse on these health issues, it would make sense for many Americans to interpret the findings of the Centers for the CDC's annual STD surveillance report as a result of some sort of moral decline. But according to medical professionals, the problem isn't that people are having more sex. The problem is that sexual health care and the policies that fund it are in dire shape. A recent study actually found that teens are waiting longer to have sexual intercourse and are more likely to use contraception. This is slightly misleading since an increase in oral sex and a lack of thorough sex education to teach young people that protection is also needed during that sort of encounter and it could help STIs spread. But still, 
Doctors do not think individual behaviors are to blame for these upticks. People working in this area have known for several years that decreases in resources committed to STD prevention will ultimately result in increases such as we have seen, says J. Dennis Fortenberry, a professor of pediatrics at Indiana State University School of Medicine. Fortenberry serves on the American Sexual Health Association's Board of Directors and is also the president of the American Sexually Transmitted Diseases Association. He and other clinicians say that funding cutbacks for both prevention education and health care are to blame. We have passed a threshold of minimal investment and are seeing the predictable consequences, he says. Funding issues aside, he also says it's important to remember that STIs are disproportionately more common in young and marginalized people. STI are consequences of far more than individual behaviors and are products of our society's continued inattention to community, to racism, sexual and gender discrimination, and tolerance of violence. Without a broad commitment to sexual health as a public health priority, these rates will continue to go up. We can't stress, we cannot address STI epidemics by pretending that they are simply a matter of quote unquote individual choice, Fortenberry says. So what can you do about it? Supporting policies that give everyone access to reliable medical care and comprehensive sex education early and often is a really great start. If you're worried about your own personal sexual health, well, that's easier. Get tested often. Get tested more than you think you need to get tested. And then educate yourself about the actual risk factors for STIs. If you swear you'd never, ever have sex with someone with herpes, but haven't asked for an STI panel at the doctor in and over a year, you have not educated yourself. If you blanch at ads for drugs that allow HIV-positive people to stop using condoms with their HIV-negative partners, but you yourself engage in oral sex without condoms or dental dams, ditto. We need less stigma and more efforts to actually improve our health. Unfortunately, STDs carry an enormous stigma in this country, and it's hard for people to come forward for treatment. David Harvey, the executive director of the National Coalition of the STDs Directors, told CNN, Ironically, HIV is an STD. But we have a really visible community who advocate and work to tell stories about the impact of HIV on people's lives. We don't have that going for us with gonorrhea or syphilis or chlamydia. We need a network of voices that say it's okay to get help. Given that so many medical practitioners are less informed about STIs than they should be, the onus often falls on patients to ask for the testing. So do not assume that your yearly physical has you covered and don't be embarrassed about what your tests may say. Knowing your status will always, always be better than blissful ignorance. weird sex facts that you may not even know. Number one, sex can blow your mind, literally. There is a such thing as transient global amnesia. It is a sudden temporary loss of memory that is not attributable to any common neurological condition. So what can cause this? Sex. 
along with a very short list of other causes that include sudden immersion in hot or cold water, sex can literally wipe your memory. Thankfully, this condition is rare, temporary, and not likely to recur. But why does this happen? In a 2012 study published in the journal Stroke, researchers contend that a particular kind of tensing and straining, mostly in the abdomen and common during sex, can put extreme pressure on your veins and allow deoxygenated blood to flow towards your brain, causing it to essentially short out. Number two, during one kiss, you and your partner exchange 80 million bacteria. The researchers in 2014, this study is published in the microbiome, discovered that one 10 second kiss can transfer approximately 80 million bacteria of over 700 different varieties. Of course, our entire bodies are home to an ecosystem of more than 100 trillion microorganisms, but fear not, neither the mouth nor body bacteria are, by, by and large, harmful. Number three, the penis can break. While the human penis contains no bones, sudden and forceful bending of an erect penis during intercourse or masturbation can cause the corpus cavernosum, which is the cylinders of the tissue that make up the bulk of your penis, to fracture. In the chilling words of the Mayo Clinic, a penis fracture is a painful injury. Signs might include a cracking sound, yikes, immediate loss of the erection, or the development of dark bruising of the penis due to blood escaping the cylinders. Sometimes the tube drains urine from the body, is damaged as well, and blood might be visible at the urinary opening of the penis. Number four, some men break their penises on purpose. In a practice known as Taekwondan, men will hold the lower shaft of their erect penis with one hand, then use the other to quickly snap the upper shaft. When done correctly, Taekwondan is said to be painless, a habit akin to knuckle crackling. Why do these men do it? According to Dr. Javad Zargushi, a urology professor at Kermanshah University of Medical Sciences in Iran, whose published work on the subject, Taquandan causes a loss of erection and a satisfying popping noise. So perhaps the practice is used to get rid of unwanted erections. Number five, bats engage in oral sex. A paper published in PLOS One in 2013 reported that bats, including the short-nosed cute little fruit bat and the as terrifying enormous as it sounds Indian flying fox bat, engage in both fellatio and cunnilingus. And other than some unproven theories about female bats using fellatio as a way to disinfect the male's penis or males using cunnilingus as a way to lick out competing sperm, it seems that bats practice oral sex for the very same reason we do. Number six, crocodile dung and sour milk were once used as contraceptives. The next time you are about to disparage current contraceptive methods, just remember that the ancient Egyptians sometimes used crocodile poop as well as sour milk to prevent pregnancy. Both would be applied intravaginally during while during the act 
Modern theory suggests that the milk increased the vagina's acidity enough to degrade any sperm that might enter while the crocodile dung was alkaline enough to act as a spermicide. Number seven, as much as 30% of Americans over 80 still have sex regularly. A 2010 study published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine found that between 20 and 30% of American men and women over the age of 80 remain sexually active. The researchers also found that physical health was the most common predictor of the sexual satisfaction for men in this age group. For women, it was relationship status. And across the board, researchers found that sexually active senior citizens simply are not using contraception. Number eight, STDs are now rampant and rising among the elderly. According to the CDC data reported in the New York Times between 2007 and 2011, the rate of chlamydia infections for Americans 65 and older rose from 31% while syphilis rose by 52%. Additionally, CBS reported on a British study and that found that the number of new HIV infections among US and UK citizens were over the age of 50 and it had doubled in the year 2000s. These figures actually make perfect sense. One of America's largest and comparatively less sexually educated generations, the baby boomers, is now in the senior citizen bracket and we now have the medicine to keep them healthy longer, the drugs to keep them sexually active longer, and the nursing homes to house them. Number nine, men over 60 who pay for sex do so more often as they age. Despite what we may think and may like to think about declining sex drives among the elderly, a 2015 study published in the American Journal of Men's Health found that for men between the ages of 60 and 84, the older they were, the more frequently they paid for sex. What's troubling is that likewise, as men who pay for sex get older, they're less likely to use protection. Of that men studied, 60% reported not always using protection with these prostitutes number 10 A third of Americans ages 75 through 85 still have oral sex. One more sex facts from the land of senior citizens. A comprehensive 2007 study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that 31% of Americans aged 75 to 85 engage in oral sex. And for Americans ages 57 to 75, that number was 58%. for the second half of my podcast it's letters to jessica so let's jump right in my first letter is from a male from baltimore he writes jessica how important is money to you in long-term short-term relationships well thank you so much for writing the letter and thank you so much for the question um it's really not advice i think it's just you wanting to know so i know a lot of people think that i probably only date a certain type of guy he's super wealthy he's white and um 
super cool. And the truth is, I'm actually non-discriminate when it comes to the people that I'd like to have in my life. I generally like um, artists. I like to, you know, be around creative people. So that's always fun. Um, I think in any real relationship, if it's done right, money can either hinder it or help it. Sometimes people are so used to having money that they have the airs of, I got this money, I'm spending it all, you know what I mean? And it makes you feel inadequate, insecure, and then it's like, well, man, all you think about is money. And then it could be the opposite side of the spectrum where I'm always paying for something and you don't have enough money. What's up? So I think with each individual, money will always be important, but it should not be that important if we're together and I know that we're together there may come a time where when we go to dinner I'm gonna want to pay for dinner because I see how hard my man is working and I see how much you know he's invested in into his day and there should be times when we go out where he pays for dinner or when we if we live together he should be willing to cook dinner one day and I cook dinner the next and he should want to do laundry you know what I mean it should always be an an equal share type of thing now I know a lot of women gonna be like Jessica I'm not spending my money on no man da, 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 da. but the truth is no one should be stingy with their money in a relationship especially if it's a relationship where you are in love and you don't mind doing it and that's one thing I can say when I'm in love I don't mind doing it if I have it and the same for my partner if they're in love with me they're not gonna mind doing it I think you there are tons of things that you can do in a relationship and not have to spend a dime there's talking there's board games there's all kinds of little festivals you can go to there's tons of little parties you can have little house parties you can have you know what I mean there's so much things you can do without money and you can still enrich your relationship and enrich your life and that's probably why I don't really focus on you know money when I date someone when I date someone I look at their heart I look at how they treat the server who is bringing our food because eventually that server may be me I look at how they treat their siblings I look at how they treat their family members I look at how they treat their exes and if they have children I look at how they treat their baby's mom, quote unquote, or the children's mother, because all of that is their past. And however that past went, you never know because time is so fleeting. I could be a part of their past. So I'm a, I'm a different bird in that regard where I don't look at, well, how much money does he have? Well, I saw those shoes and he was wearing a Rolex and I'm not that type of person. If anything, if I love you enough and you love me enough, we're both going to put our heads together. We're both going to hustle, hustle hard and we're both going to get that money together. You know what I mean? So that's the key is you don't have to worry about money when you're with the person you love because you guys have already decided on what you want in your relationship and nine times out of ten on that list of things you know money is like number number nine you know what I mean it's it's on the very bottom it should not be on the top but that's kind of me you know I don't on a scale of one to ten money you know one being super important ten being you know not so important money to me is probably a good eight and a half nine 
Um, but again, I like a, I like a person that has their head on their shoulders, but that's just me. So thank you so much for the, um, letter. I hope I answered your question. Our second letter is from a female in Virginia. She writes, I'm dating a man who is bisexual. Jessica, I feel insecure because I have never dated a man who is attracted to men and women. He has never cheated on me or given me any reason to think that he is. Any advice? My first advice to you, female in Virginia, is take a deep, calming, wusa breath. <laughs> because you seem like you are losing it. And it seems like maybe you're not losing it. It just may be that you're in new waters and sometimes when you are in a new water it can make you feel insecure and then it brings up these feelings of insecurity that you really didn't know that you had so you may want to unpack those feelings of insecurity why do you feel like you're insecure is it because you don't feel like you're enough for a bisexual man because he likes a man and a woman or in your past relationships did men make you feel like you weren't enough because they would cheat on you remember that always remember that whatever feeling you have inadequacy insecurities it usually is rooted from an experience that happened before the relationship unless you've been in this relationship a long time and it sounds like you have not been in this relationship a long time so I would say that then another thing is I think you need to do a little um quiet research as I call it where you put on your inspector gadget goggles and you go to a Barnes and Noble you go do something other than look it up on the computer but go to a bookstore go to a library and look up bisexuality and then maybe go into a group a forum on Facebook or um, Snapchat or Vero and like a bisexual one not to be you know weird but just to ask those questions because I think what you're going to find is being a bisexual does not make you a slut Okay, I'm going to say that again. Being a bisexual person does not make you a slut. Being a bisexual person, all that means is that you are open-minded. That means that you don't really see a man or a woman. You see their heart. You see their qualities. And you enjoy that type of quality. Okay? So I want you to really repeat that to yourself. Bisexuality does not mean that he is a slut or that he is greedy or that he's a cheat or a snake remove the stigma about sexuality and then once you do that you need to ask yourself why do you think bisexuality is a bad thing because I'm going to be honest with you STDs are on the rise but STDs are on the rise with elderly people the baby boomers and they're on the rise with straight heterosexual couples yeah HIV is on a steady decrease Um, teen pregnancy is on a steady decline so you really want to do your research because a lot of the things that I think you're feeling are self-fulfilled prophecies and it's also the culture that you were raised in we have all been taught that gay people are wrong bisexual people are wrong pansexual people are wrong trans people are wrong anybody who does not fit into that heteronormative box is wrong and that's not true you know we always I always like to say there's no such thing as black and white 
There's all kinds of grays though, right? And that's how you're going to have to look at this because you can't just be like, well, he's bisexual. He's going to want a man. He's, what if he leaves me for a woman? What if he leaves me for a man? But what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't do any of that? What if this turns out to be the best relationship you have ever had just because of who he is? So maybe you do what Mario has said in the song. Maybe you just let this guy love you and maybe just relax. But I think on your part, I would just take it down a notch and I would do my research. And once I did my research about it, I would I would not ask him too many questions because once you ask too many questions, you may make him feel uncomfortable about his sexuality and it may show your sexuality immaturity. And I know I can't use ality and immaturity, but I just did. And you have to remember that. Are you mature enough to be in this relationship sexually? Because it sounds like maybe you're not. Maybe you don't really know anything about bisexuality. Maybe you've only been with two guys. Maybe, you, you know what I mean? But you got to make sure that you're mature enough, emotionally mature, spiritually mature, mentally mature to have this conversation because you're worried about him leaving you for that. But what if he just leaves you because you have these you know homophobic tendencies and I know you're gonna say well Jessica homophobia means that you're scared of uh homosexuals but you can use homophobia in this regard because a bisexual person likes the same sex as well as the opposite sex and you can show a homophobic bias towards them correct correct so just remember that he could end up leaving you because of your homophobic bias your tendencies so just remember to Number one, take a woosah breath. Number two, maybe go to the library, get your education on, okay? So we know what we're dealing with. And number three, keep that heart open because that's what love is about. Love is about keeping your heart open and being able to live in that moment of real love and experience that because who wants to live a life without love, right? Thank you so much for the letter. our last and final letter of the episode comes from a female in texas who writes dear jessica my ex has been blackmailing me for the past year we broke up a year and a month ago Once we did, he sent me a video I had no knowledge of. It is clearly he and I having sexual intercourse on multiple occasions. Oh my God. He says if I do not pay him or have sex with him weekly, he will send it to my parents. Oh my God, this guy. My dad is a pastor at a very popular church. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. He and my mom still believe that I am a virgin bless their hearts for that um but I am terrified of my parents uh finding out I am tired of paying him having sex with him but I am terrified of my parents finding out the truth what should I do Woo, female in Texas this is uh this is quite a shocker first off let me apologize to you I am so sorry that you were recorded without your consent um Again, this is really, really bad. And I know a lot of you, well, you know, she probably had it coming. No one has that coming. The thing is, sex is a very private thing. Yes, I get paid to do it on a camera, so 
please listen to them. <laughs> but sex is a private thing. When there's no camera involved, it's something that it's like a gift you're giving someone and it's a special gift because if it wasn't everybody would be included right so when you record it without their consent you cheapen that and you also violate them you violate their intimacy and you violate their trust you also violate their love and it makes you feel dirty and I'm sorry that you probably feel that way um I would say I wouldn't take him back because hello he's violated your trust um I would stop paying him I would stop having sex with him I would print out every single text message I would make sure that I had a copy of the tape and then I would get a really good lawyer I would take him to small claims court and I would sue him I would sue him for violation of my privacy. I would sue him until he realized that this was not okay. Even And there's also things you can do in civil court when you sue somebody. You can say, I don't want money from you. Or you may want the money. You may say, I want the money that I've been blackmailed with because this is extortion. And extortion, extortion is illegal. Even if it's this type of extortion, it's illegal. But when you go to court, you can say, I want you know the full refund of the money that I was extorted I also want the main copy of this video and then I want the names of everybody that you sent this to as well as the sites and that way you can go ahead and do a sweep of it and get it all down um, as far as your parents concerned your mom and dad were not always church folk I'm gonna say that and if you don't think your mom and dad don't know what you're doing they do because they're your mom and dad and they know you so I would not be ashamed or scared I would actually try to enlist them because you've got some of the best parents you've got prayer warriors on your side they can pray for you they can be an intercessor for you and they may also be able to pull some strings in regard to this is you know a nice this is a nice church girl who got caught up in some things your honor and we just need you to help yep mm-hmm so don't ever feel like you're alone in this because I feel like maybe that's where you're at is you feel like you're just in this hole and it just keeps you keep getting pulled down more and more and this is a year so this is like 365 days of you like I just wanna <laughs> I just need this to you know stop so you can make this stop and I think if you you know explain to your parents that you have learned your lesson and they see that you are taking the right steps to prevent it and also if they know that you and this particular person if you guys were a real item you guys had been together for years and and you guys felt like that was the next step of you know the next progressive because that is it's the next progressive step when you're in a relationship you ha become friends you go on dates then you start dating then you can start hanging out and then kissing then hugging you know what I mean and then it leads up to that so that's a natural progression I don't really think they're going to be upset with you about that but I think they will be upset about the fact that you let it go on so long and you felt that you couldn't come to them because they're people of God you should always be able to lean on people of God especially prayer warriors like you have but I think you you know keep your head up keep your chin up and don't ever let this get you down because you can sue him and you can win and I know you're thinking I don't want to go through all of that but honey you've already went through all of this You've went through this for a year and a month. So what? why not do the right thing? Get him 
the right way because retaliating the way that he's doing stooping to his level that will never work but if you get a judge to sign an order to make him stop get him a cease and desist in his life guaranteed this will stop guaranteed he'll never do it again to another person because this will shut it down you're not just doing this for you you're doing this for other people because you never know you may decide to do this civil suit and three of his ex-girlfriends before you come through and say girl he was blackmailing me too and thank you you know what I mean so just remember still continue to be that beacon of hope for others because you never know you know but don't give up hope number one and number two please 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 seek legal action do not be afraid to you know get justice for this eliminate the shame and the stigma you were a virgin you're not a virgin anymore and you're going to be okay because this is not 1865 we do not have a monarch um your daddy's not going to give a dowry out (laughs) you know what I mean so you're fine you lost you lost your virginity where did it go you know what I mean so let's not use that term either let's just say you became a woman you decided you know the next step in your life was you know to remove your womanhood you know what I mean but don't ever feel bad about this I hope this goes great for you I'm so sorry this happened to you but let me know how it turns out and thank you so much for the letter Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks again for rocking with Team Grab It. Remember, be good or be good at it. Until next time, bye.